0: They they advertise one match by crashing a car into one of the wrestlers. Not a total victory of Russia, which now we're seeing. <laughs>
1: this he goes like on. gigantic <laughs> bag of flaccid dicks.
0: Sorry. Continue. Which, when you open them up, you find out that they're all cockroaches inside. Yeah, yeah. You know? yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I don't know if anybody else is ever going to laugh this hard at anything we <laughs> say. Uh, we can actually both look out my
0: window right now and see some very pretty yellow flowers that I'm going to be eradicating.
1: This is a Geek History of Time, where we connect nerdery to the real world. I'm Ed Blaylock. I'm a world history teacher at the seventh grade level here in Northern California, and the father of a 21-month-old son who uh, just recently, uh, at a uh, Scottish Games, uh, selected uh, the the sword uh, that he's going to be uh, using as as his toy weapon. Uh, for some time now we gave him an option we held two of them out in front of him (laughs) Uh, one of them was a replica of sting in in wood actually really very pretty one and the other one was a a much more simple uh actually looks like a waster you know training kind of weapon and that's the one he chose which made his fencer daddy very very happy how about you
0: well, I just have a question about uh, yeah. the the swords that you held up from yeah. um was it Sting from Dune or is it Sting from
1: <laughs> uh, the WCW I will kill him <laughs> No yeah uh, oh, oh good yeah I cut cut you off there before you before you finished <laughs> Uh no neither of those Oh okay No Um, it was, it was, uh, or, uh, sting from, from the Lord of the Rings. Oh, okay. Uh, glows blue when orcs are near. Yeah. 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 Uh, or, you know, since this was a Scottish fair, uh, uh, Sassanach, Englishman. Oh, okay. Uh, so, but he decided against that one, uh, and, and again went with the waster. Nice. So,
0: well, I'm Damien Harmony. I am a Latin teacher, part-time history teacher, uh, up here in Northern California. I am the father of a seven and a nine-year-old, uh, both of whom have gotten into Mouse Guard quite a bit.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. How, how
0: is that going? It's going well. Uh, I love it because the advancement. Uh, what do we call it? the mechanic? Mechanic um, requires that you fail at the skill. A number of times... Really? minus 1 one uh, that you have ranks in that skill, which means you have to go out on a limb and fail at doing the thing. You can't just be good at it.
1: Wow. Which is... That's deep. Yes. And your daughter must be having a tough time with that.
0: She's the world's shittiest Pathfinder. <laughs> uh, but she's filled up the failure marks on it. Now she okay. has to, to succeed four times. Okay. And so that'll be sometime by 2026. Okay. So... But and it's it's a success fail dice you know uh-huh. uh, four five six are successes okay six could be explody if you want to spend points on it okay so it's it's kind of a, it's a cool dynamic All so right. I don't think I'm doing the best job at it but I'm keeping it gussied up because I've okay. never played it as a player so I I do much oh, better when okay. I've played as a player, player. yeah yeah but uh, but it's fun it's a lot of fun no and, it sounds like and it. I'm hoping to get them into a Marvel role playing game and then a Star Wars role playing game. Okay. By December.
1: I can so. I can totally support getting them into a Star Wars role playing game. Yes. I don't know if anybody has managed to generate <laughs> a Marvel based role playing game that is not a steaming pile of trash.
0: True, but we are talking seven and nine year olds So. True. Yeah. Yeah. True. I, I but also there's... thought about dusting off the old Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles role playing game because they love them. The TMNT. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: All right. Well. See, I got a soft spot in my heart for for anything by Palladium. Mm. Um, I I have have learned enough in doing some some research on the industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've I've learned enough that that um, uh, they're they're it, it's not a great company to work for mm-hmm. apparently, and we can right. get into that in another in another episode. But um, it it was a formative part of my adolescence, uh, and and so yeah, I can I can get behind that too. Yeah. definitely. Cool. Uh, so very cool. Yeah. What are you reading right now? Uh,
0: I am reading uh, a, a book by. It's an autobiography. Uh, it's called okay. Preston Sturgis by Preston Sturgis.
1: Okay.
0: Um, he was a very very famous director in the nineteen thirties and forties uh, yeah. of comedies. I um, recognize
1: the name, yeah. but I can't contextualize it. Uh, so
0: I'm I'm going to give you some of his uh, most famous stuff. The Great McGinty. Okay. Ginty. okay. Uh The Miracle of Morgan's Creek. Okay. Um, let's see what else. Unfaithfully Yours. Oh, okay. He wrote right. on those. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think of other ones that he directed. Uh Hail the Conquering Hero. Okay. Um No, he wrote that one too. I'm looking for his uh
1: directorial credits.
0: Yeah, he really he really did a lot of writing though. Tons okay. of writing. Uh Remember the Night, Never Say Die, uh College Swing, Easy Living, Hotel okay. Haywire. Um, okay. Yeah. Next time cool. we love. Yeah. Lots and lots. All of
1: right. So, stuff. how many of these would be considered uh, screwball comedies? You know, honestly,
0: not that many. Really interestingly enough. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, he did other kinds of comedies, which is I think why he survived through the forties as uh, far as yeah, his okay. career goes. All right. Uh, cool. But uh, his his career is fascinating, um, and it touches on most things, and it really gives you a good context for what's going on in the studio system in the 1940s. Oh, because okay. it's still right. somewhat nascent. It's only about a generation removed from its own creation.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but yeah, what are you reading?
1: Uh, well right now I'm reading an awful lot of student work. Oh, uh, cause I'm, we're, it's, it's end of a grading period. And, uh, so I don't really have a lot of time to read for myself. Sure. But I will recommend, um, mm-hmm. the Plantagenet by Dan Jones okay um, it's a very readable uh, very well put together history of the Plantagenet dynasty mm-hmm. um, and um, it it starts of course with uh, Henry ii okay uh, and and goes all the way up through uh, to the end of the Wars of the Roses covers the the whole the whole from the beginning of the dynasty to the point at which uh, the 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 Tudor dynasty begins, which is a branch of the Plantagenets, but right. it's, but it but it winds up becoming they they wind up becoming their own
0: their own thing, house. yeah.
1: Um, and it's yeah, it's it's a it's a like I said, it's a very very well written, very easy to read, nice uh, without losing any uh, rigor. Okay, historically speaking, sure, sure. Uh, but but just generally a really great book uh, nice. and a good and a good train read. Cool. So
0: Well, last time we were talking about screwball comedies. Yes. And I got us up to the roasting of Hell's a Poppin'. Yes. Uh, and the fact that uh, soldiers were reporting to entertainment reporters for a trade publication that uh, y'all they'd need really to simmer down. It,
1: they'd really appreciate it if you didn't yeah. blow it out on New Year's Eve this
0: Right. Year. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so which still just
1: seems weird to me. I mean, yeah, it, anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm having, I, I don't know. And it could Maybe, be, you know, it's It, it soldiers, could be generational. It could be yeah. circumstantial. I, I don't know. But Could be that they talked to the
0: communications officer whose job was to liaise with the press.
1: Yeah, okay, that makes so, some sense. there's a few so, things. So, yeah, all yeah. right, yeah.
0: So the fact that screwball comedies are declining drastically during the war kind of points to the probability that everyone else is catching on to the same sentiment um, about comedies dealing with sexual frustration. Okay. So sexual frustration is no longer as attractive. So between Hell's a Poppin' and Lady in a Jam was about a year. Okay. okay. Uh, it took from December to September in New York to review two screwball comedies at all.
1: Wow. Really?
0: Yeah. Whereas the previous year... Just one year, didn't
1: get put out. No. They just
0: didn't get reviewed.
1: Reviewed. Interesting. So there was the a much critic-
0: larger sample. sample the year before.
1: Oh, wow. All right.
0: Yeah. Um, now, yes, there were fewer, there were fewer, but not, not only two.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, but the critic just didn't even bother reviewing uh, the rest of them because who cares?
0: Yeah. There was a glut in the market of war movies, Westerns, stuff like that. Okay. By 42, the movie industry had moved sharply toward war movies. Like I said, yeah. Um, on October seventh, uh, nineteen forty-two, uh, Variety reported in its headlines that approximately thirty-three percent of all films in the past six months were made with a war angle. Okay, that's a lot. I'm, that's the lion's share. That's a third. That's
1: yeah. That's certainly a plurality. That's that's the largest, the largest percentage, largest chunk. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. One in three. Yeah. Now, and then and then all of the other genres are fighting for the other two right, spots right. out of every three films. Right. Okay. Because you know you say thirty three percent. Doesn't sound like much, and it doesn't sound like a really big percentage. But then you realize that no, no, no. Then you've got horror movies. You've got romances. You've got any kind of. Parlor drama, right. mysteries, farces, Westerns, comedies. farces, yeah. any kind of comedy, yeah. all of those yeah. are fighting over
0: the other two. The
1: other two out of three. Yeah. Wow. Okay, yeah. yeah.
0: That's it's dominant. Mm. Which makes sense. We're at do war. you know
1: do you know what the what the second biggest percentage was? No, and like what the genre I, I in number two. Pos- don't, but pos- position. I, I would
0: hazard a guess that uh, westerns would be the next highest. That, plurality. that was
1: going to be my because my macho. Guess. Well, because macho, because themes of you know self reliance and self sacrifice, the yep. the the heroic figure, you know, coming and save the day. Yep. You know, standing up against the forces of of corruption and evil. Yeah. That whole you know frontier yeah mentality kind of thing. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: So through the end of November, these kinds of headlines are prevalent in a variety. The, the okay. trade pub, right? Yeah. Um, uh, which is, again, I got to point out, it's a trade publication. So it's largely for and about the Hollywood community. Yeah. Um, others include... Here's, here's It's Inside Baseball. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's 70 or 80 pages per issue. I mean, okay. Oh, my God. The scrolling that I did. <laughs> uh, so... Um, but so for instance, uh, here's some other, uh, headlines. DC would like army film pronto and war themed picks increase. Okay. It's just, it's, it's ascendant. Uh, war movies are gaining popularity. Movies like wake Island across the Pacific are heavily advertised at this point. They get in the big full, full page page, or, you know, quarter page ad. Yeah. When the boogeyman will get you, uh, debuts in October of 42. And only the New York Times understood what When the Boogeyman Will Get You is trying to do. Okay. It saw it as an attempt to meld screwball comedy into yet another setting, horror, horror. comedy.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, that that sounds, mm-hmm. okay.
0: It didn't flatter the idea, though. They <laughs> saw what they were trying to do. Okay.
1: And, you yeah, know, this yeah. doesn't
0: work. A variety reviewer commented positively on the film, describing it as screwball comedy and offering hearty laughs. Um, but that was it. Like, like, remember the previous yeah. paragraphs of yeah. stuff from the last yeah. episode. Uh, they also, there's another movie called The Palm Beach Story. It opened to really bad reviews. The New York okay. Times is reflecting about a year's worth of wartime anxiety at this point and priorities. And they barely even reviewed the movie. Okay. This guy named Bosley Crowther is kind of the, uh, the reviewer at okay. the time. Um, he the criticizes. Roger
1: Ebert of the day.
0: Yeah. Yeah, okay. and he's doing it for New York, not or for Jean, Chicago. Or
1: Gene Siskel. Yeah.
0: Okay. Um, and he criticizes the movie's director, whose name is Preston Sturgis.
1: Uh-huh.
0: For, so, yes, he did touch uh, yeah. on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but it wasn't, see, I never, it wasn't the most successful of the genre. Yeah, yeah, So, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, he got on him for trying to both be writer and director, which at that time was taboo. Really? Yes.
1: Because it was seen as being kind of self-important, egotistical. Yeah. You wrote this thing, so nobody. You're you're not going to hand it off to somebody else to direct. You've got to be the one to direct it because or it's so shitty
0: that you're the only one. You're the only one
1: willing to sit down and. Okay. All right. Uh.
0: So. Um. He says, as it is, Mister. Surges's right hand. I'm using air quotes there. Let uh, has let his somewhat more deft one down. Wow. Yeah. Now, that's, that's clever writing, number one. Yeah. Good pun. And yeah. Man. And, and at this time, and, uh, uh, at least 50% of the country only had an eighth grade education. Oh, wow. And this is what's uh, being true. written in the papers. Yeah, good point. Okay? All right. Um, his fiction at the time is much too barren of bright surprises for a bold directorial splurge. And, as a consequence, the Palm Beach story never really becomes the romp it aims to be. Except for some helter-skelter moments, it is generally slow and garrulous. garrulous. Perhaps Mr. Sturgis was trying to see how thin he could slice it and still get by. Wow. Perhaps, Perhaps he was making an experiment in conversational comedy. Anyhow, he's short on action and very long on trivial talk in this mildly satiric little fable.
1: Whoa, whoa, whoa. Sounds
0: like somebody reviewing Reservoir Dogs. Quite honestly,
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds sounds like uh, uh, Bill Murray to um, Chevy Chase. Yeah, medium talent, <laughs> medium talent. Like, boy, you want to cut somebody? Yeah, even at Christmas.
0: It should have that's been a breathless hurtful. comedy. <laughs>
1: okay. It should have
0: been a breathless comedy, but only the actors are breathless, and that's from talking too much.
1: Ow. Yeah. Ow. Okay. Yeah. So, so heaping scorn. Yeah. Just like, no, 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 I'm not done smacking you. Yeah. Yeah. Good God almighty. Yeah. Okay. So, so at this point, Mm -hmm. um, the, the genre has, has jumped the shark. It's, it's. It's nobody. Sh- it nobody, didn't we, get we over the shark. No, the shark jumped no, up the and shark bit jumped the shit out of it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, We don't. We don't want to see you. Any- we don't serve your kind here. Anymore. Yeah, market <laughs> at the theater. Pretty much. Wow.
0: So, what was receiving? Damn. Excellent? Yeah, son. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you
1: were yeah, saying. What, what was, was
0: getting it? excellent reviews at that time was action, specifically wartime action. Right? Okay. Advertisements for those movies were way larger than and far more frequent than the Palm Beach story ever was. Like I said, they took up the whole page. Judging by the ads alone, war movies were poised to attract more customers than a movie like Palm Beach Story. Which was about a woman who leaves her husband and searches for a rich man to marry, all in the name of helping her husband. It could be a farcical, whimsical comedy. Yeah. Not then. Yeah. War movies are about honor and sacrifice and heroics, as you... Carefully pointed out. Yeah. Uh, and newsreel footage and these got the lion's share of the advertisements. They advertised yeah. newsreel footage.
1: Really. Yep. Okay.
0: After the war began, New York Times did not positively review a single screwball comedy, except for one, which debuted on New Year's Eve in 1942-43. It's called Whistling Dixie.
1: Oh, great.
0: Red Skelton was in it. Okay. And he got most of the praise.
1: Yeah. Oh, there was the re- Red Skelton. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh,
0: the reviewer found the mo- movie amusing, but not hilarious. Uh, the The Times gave it a baffling review, <laughs> perhaps in an attempt to match the baffling nature of the film. Okay. I once wrote a review of something in the same exact meter and style as Charge of the Light Brigade. Okay. It was, uh, it was fun. Yeah. I don't know that it was considered a very good review. Good
1: review, yeah.
0: Um, or perhaps because they had a deadline, or maybe because the premature celebration of the New Year. I don't, okay. I don't know. Yeah, but it said there were more blows yesterday in Whistling and Dixie than Sullivan and Kil- Kilrain ever exchanged in seventy odd rounds. This is referring back to um, old timey boxing, yeah, old
1: timey boxing, and so, Jim L. Sullivan. That's a so really old suppo- ass that's boxing, really old ass. But 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 so we're supposed to take from that that there's repartee back and forth. Yes. Okay.
0: Uh, as you can see,
1: that's like, you know, yeah. Darmok and at Tanagra kind of, in kinda, some ways, kind of yeah. language, like, yeah. you know, Shaka when the walls fell. Like, yeah. You really have to know. Yeah. A lot of context. Yes. To understand what they're trying to say yes. there. Well, Timba, okay. his arms wide. You know. yeah, um, indeed.
0: Like one does. <laughs> indeed. Um, but interestingly, even in the praise, it's actiony.
1: This is true. It's the, the metaphor is, is a combative one.
0: Right. The dialogue, uh, less so. Yeah. So it's not pitter-patter, it's blows. Mm. Uh, Whistling in Dixie is a less of a screwball than it is a comedic mystery, to be honest. But it still has elements of a man out of his depth and a woman continuing to frustrate him in a romantic setting. But that's no longer front and center in the movie. That's, that's an aspect that's, of it, which I think is what made it acceptable.
1: That's, that's a, a dash of flavoring in the mix. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: By the time 1943's Crazy House comes out... Which isn't really even a screwball comedy, to be honest. Um, the Battle of Guadalcanal had just ended. Yeah, it has been a full two years since Pearl Harbor.
1: Yeah,
0: American and British soldiers had successfully invaded Italy. Yes, it was becoming increasingly obvious the Allies are going to win the war. It's not a matter of when; it's just a matter, of, or it's, it's a matter of when, not a not matter of
1: whether. Not, not an if, Yeah.
0: Even U-boat activity had considered slowly, considerably slowed. Yeah. Um, allowing most American ships to get to England unmolested. But American interest was still not returned to any kind of male romantic frustration as a form of comedy. Crazy House, not a screwball, still earned especially bad reviews because it did have a frustrated romantic lead. Okay. The movie was made for the same by the same people who had brought Hells a Pop into the big screen. So it could be the reviewer was still unforgiving still, and still was still
1: biased, in. holding holding past sins against them. Yeah.
0: It would be like if people, like, still didn't like Mel Gibson for being an anti-Semite instead of forgiving him for not apologizing for it.
1: True. True. Or, you know, it would be like, you know, critics continuing to hold everything against Michael Bay, like, forever. Yeah. Because they do. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I'm not saying the man's work is, you know, deep. No. But... You know,
0: but it's good he, for what it is.
1: It's good for what it is, yeah. and he doesn't deserve to be crapped on the way he regularly does get by <laughs> by you know overeducated uh, movie critics. That's a good point. So yeah, no, it's this is a phenomenon we've seen. Yeah. is what I'm saying. So yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: But it's also clear by the reviews that screwball comedies got. Uh, that, that they, that the flame was flickering and dying down. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the reviews keep getting harsher. Bosley Crowther really seems to have a hard on against them. Um, (laughs) he stated that the reels got mixed up at the showing of crazy house that he saw and it didn't make a difference to the plot or the flow of the movie. Ow. Yeah. Ow. Now, truly, the appeal of the frustrated masculine effort was dying.
1: Oh it, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, after after that long mm-hmm. of everybody having their father, their brother, their uncle, their boyfriend, their whoever, yeah, stuck on the other side of the planet in dire straits, you know, yeah, uh, you know, in in circumstances where you know the old saying is that infantry combat is, you know, days and days of absolute boredom punctuated by moments of stark terror. Yeah. And, you know, thinking thinking about, you know, having that in your mind, mm-hmm. your son, your, you know, whoever being in those circumstances, I can see how that would make it difficult to yes, find humor in the Admittedly frivolous, but still f- real frustration mm-hmm. of a male, a sympathetic male figure. Because yeah. a big, a big point mm-hmm. of the whole genre is that you're sympathizing with yes. the Apollonian cut the butter square, yes, you know, dweeby sometimes dweeby, but always yeah. very you know, uh, clean cut, you know, hard corners, you know, male lead. Yep he's he's the 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 figure you're identifying with when you're watching the film and and seeing the person you're identifying with the person you're supposed to care about having to put up with all that stuff right I can see how everybody's psyche would have a hard time with that mm-hmm. so absolutely yeah,
0: I have a question for you yeah, how do you butter your corn
1: you put the had a butter on the plate, and you you use the the, the, the skewer holders. Yeah, uh-huh. and you and
0: you okay spin it. Why? How, how does your wife butter her corn, or how did she prior to meeting you? Did she do it differently?
1: Ah, uh, no, okay. actually, same way. Why?
0: My grandmother. Okay. They would slice it with the knife. Yeah. and Use that to spread it on the corn. Yeah. My grandfather. Yeah. Took the cob and just slid it right through the bar.
1: Oh, God. Okay.
0: And that became the dominant way our family did it. Okay. And so <laughs> in both of my marriages,
1: they were treated to that. <laughs> <laughs> and so That's you, why you're twice divorced. Yeah. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> Yes. Whatever else was going on, <laughs> that right there, because that's making my eye twitch just even thinking about it right now. Oh, my God. Because then you have a little of the corn hair that's in the yeah, butter, yeah, right. and the butter is now U-shaped, it's, it's now,
0: and you now know, you have a corn butter that yeah. you keep in the fridge for yeah. when you eat corn.
1: You, yeah. <laughs> and, and you can't use for anything else. For no good reason. For no why good not. reason at all.
0: Yeah. And it's also okay. got like kernel imprints in it yeah, yeah, as you, you went know, out.
1: Tracks. Yep. And, yeah. Okay. Okay. So, so when when I said what I said about cut the butter square, yeah, I gotta go back and I'm gonna rat on my father. Okay, because <laughs> my father could be mm-hmm. the 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 could stand in for the protagonist of any one of these screwball comedies. Okay, my father is an engineer personality type who became an aviator, which reinforced all of that. Yeah. Because there are old pilots, there are bold pilots, but there are no old, bold pilots. Right. You you have a checklist. You go through everything on the checklist because that's how you get home in one piece. Right. That's, you know. And uh, so <laughs> one of the points in my life that I will remember forever where I've had to watch my father bite his tongue was visiting my grandparents. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I grew up, you know, in the same house with my dad all the time. Sure. And just, you know, it was... You have the butter. You cut the butter. You do what you're doing mm-hmm. on your plate. Well, <clears throat> and and it is a thing for my father to have a, to cut it square. Okay. My my grandfather. Oh no. Was not that way. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget the expression on my father's face. I understood why it was kind of halfway a joke and halfway not when my dad talked about cut mm-hmm. the butter square. When I watched my grandfather. Reach with the same knife he had already used to butter one piece of toast, which Mm -hmm. had crumbs on it, and you know all that. Reach out to the butter on the table, cut halfway through the (laughs) stick of butter, and then pull outward. (laughs) I swear to God, my father had a full body twitch. (laughs) So, So. Oh, so that was that was that was my role model. Yeah. So what you're describing about yeah, just take the corn and all that, like oh my god, oh, yeah. yeah. My father's not a religious man, but he would be driven to call you a heretic. <laughs> so oh, anyway, you you bring this up for a reason related uh, to our to our genre. I'm sure I bring
0: up the butter because you said cut the butter. Oh, square. Okay, all right. That's, okay, and it just right, occurred that's... to me that my grandpa was, you know, my grandma was from a. Uh, middle-class background. My grandpa was from a very poor background, mm. so, and, and my grandpa was uh, Apollonian in that. Okay. Um, but he grew, well, he grew to be Apollonian, but he was very Dionysian when he mm. met my grandma, which was probably the attraction. Yeah. Um, but, like, she was already engaged.
1: Oh, yeah. You, and you he looked up this every sideways. smith
0: in the phone book oh, wow. until he found her.
1: Holy cow. Yeah,
0: because he met her on the beach. And, nice. uh, yeah. So
1: he, so... So your your grandparents were kind of an inversion of mm-hmm. this of this
0: for starters yes now by the time I met them, uh, you know it was very much the you know they they were they were the 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 prototypical family of the 50s they had three mm-hmm. kids and oh yeah and you know he would come home and things yeah. had to be a certain way so oh, yeah. you know he, he'd grown into being yeah. Apollo but yes like in, wow. in those instances yeah that's it's, funny it's, uh, that's yeah funny. So And, and right. he always had a sense of humor about things. He always okay. did. Um, he, he had a stroke, and so there's only one phrase I ever remember him saying pre-stroke, and it was when he came and picked me up, and I was like four or five. He said, ah, i got to eat my Wheaties.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and then after that, everything I remember of him saying was with stroke voice. Mm-hmm. where it felt like his tongue was on the roof of his mouth. And okay. I used to imitate it very well, but it doesn't feel right to do that anymore. Yeah. Cause as no, I yeah. get older, I'm less of a dick. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it added to the humor of the shit that he said, cause he, it took him a minute to say things. Mm-hmm. And so my, my grandma, Nana, at one point she's doing this and doing that. And he had moved something over to the side, which made more sense. And she's looking for it. And he finally points to it. He says, right there. And, uh, she says, um, oh, you've got me all confused, Chuck. And, and he just looks at me and goes, doesn't take much. <laughs> <laughs> and that's,
1: <laughs>
0: it's that kind of shit. And, and he took me on like, you know, he, because he had a stroke, he, he wasn't able to work, but then he found employment being kind of a, a deliveryman. Okay. Um, and he made that work for a while. Right. Mm. And so I would go with him and on his routes on mm-hmm. occasion and it was really fun I hate dropping things, and I've always hated dropping things. Mm. And we were in a an elevator, and I had a thing, and I just... I was 10, maybe 11, and I was holding something, and it wasn't quite, you know, level. Same. And a thing kept slipping. It was like a package of highlighters or okay. something kept slipping off. And I'd reach down and pick it back up, and it slipped again. And, mm-hmm. and as I'm putting it back on, it would slide off. And he's just laughing his ass off at me the mm-hmm. whole time. And so he still enjoyed yeah. Dionysus.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So...
0: But... This, this yeah. guy. Uh, so, government starts encouraging, uh, in a major way, Hollywood to make more war, war movies. Yeah. Uh, to the exclusion of comedic uh, romantic comedies. Really? Yeah. Now, it's not specifically like, don't make those, just make those. It was, make all these.
1: And, and whatever, whatever, whatever guess the market was not making much money. Yeah, whatever, whatever yeah. the market doesn't compel you to make is just going to fall off.
0: Exactly. Now, okay. At this point, full length newsreel features are flooding the theaters in '44. There's a lot of news about the war. Yeah, well, right? yeah. Advertisements for them had been in the newspapers for over a year by this point. Come and see the newsreels. Wow. Yeah. Uh, in the summer of '44, D-Day was one of the more popular topics for obvious yeah, reasons. Yeah. Um, and so any war movie was attractive to your typical moviegoer or your typical movie maker. Uh, there were no screwball comedies in 1944. At all. None. Not a one. Not a one. Wow. Yeah. That's how quickly it flared out. By 45, World War II is obviously wrapping up. The main concern is not Europe, but Japan. Yeah. Uh, war experts projected that an invasion of the home island, as you had spoken of before,
1: <laughs> a million.
0: Would, yeah, and that the Japanese yeah. would fight every last man, woman, and child. Yeah. Right. So you'd civilian you're be,
1: population be rising up and mm-hmm, be yeah
0: with sharp sticks, even with, with, with Soviet help, yeah. uh, because Stalin did agree to give assistance once the uh, war in Europe was over. Invasion would be a bloody, bloody affair, and so people are girding up for that. Yeah. The final screwball movie of the war comes out in May after VE Day. It's called Pillow to Post, and it was reviewed as a horrible movie. <laughs> By Crowther again. Now, okay. part of this, I'm going to the same source over and over again because New York Times is a very reliable source on reviewing it's movies. The Grey Lady,
1: yeah.
0: Uh, the San Francisco Chronicle, I went to a lot and they didn't have as many. Okay. Or it could be that they don't put all their stuff on the internet as quickly. Yeah. And I didn't want to go down to look at microfiche for yeah, 80 for, hours.
1: Forever, yeah.
0: But, you know, this way I'm comparing apples to apples. We can start change yeah. over time because Crowther did like other screwballs. Yeah. But by this point, he don't. And it could be that they're terrible. It could be that he's He's done done with it. Yeah. Yeah. He had nothing flattering to say about it. He thought it was a waste of the actor's time. And that the Warner Brothers should have put more effort into not insulting the actors by having them in such a bad film. Wow. Yeah. He says, Even though this film is taken from a modest stage play of a few seasons back, its humors are as stale and mechanical as those of the oldest such farce. And the outcome is quite as predictable as the consequence of boy meeting girl. It's just too bad that Ida Lupino, whose talents are far above such trash, had to be stuck with the necessity of trying to make something out of it.
1: What He actually uses the word trash. Yeah. I mean, that's that's to, to us now in 2019, that's...
0: Saying shit. We,
1: we throw that around yeah. like it's not a big deal. But right. But back then... That was yeah. kind of that was close to the strongest language you could get away with in print. Yeah, holy cow!
0: He continues, and it is curious that Sidney Greenstreet should be uh, should be one of the tongue waggers involved. You'd think that the Warner Brothers would have more regard for these two stars and for the considerable patience of the innocent customers.
1: I mean, I know Sidney Greenstreet's a big name, but <laughs> my God, yeah, that's. That's harsh. Yeah. Now, I, and I and I do find it interesting mm-hmm. that in that utter panning mm-hmm. of the film, um, he maintains sympathy for the actors involved. Yes, and all of his scorn, yes, is being directed at the script.
0: Yeah, and the studio for and even the, and the studio it out.
1: and the studio for even bothering to yep. to commit it to film. Yes. So, so it is. It, I mean, that's 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 a sign that it really is. No, as a matter of fact, the, the genre is dying, yeah, is just is done.
0: That's the subject it's of spent. his criticism, yeah. yeah is, not is, he's not painting broad brushes, he's yeah,
1: no, he's very specific excising and yeah. then slaughtering. Wow,
0: yeah. Now, uh, at the other end of this news break, I'll tell you more about uh, what World War II did. Okay. But for right now, we need to pay for things. So, yes, we do. Uh, y'all stay tuned for uh, this next ad. It's, Indeed. It's a good one. It's a good one. Uh, yeah. and It's, uh, it's
1: not a, a wartime newsreel or anything, but no. we did a pretty good job on this. We one. did. We really yeah. did.
0: And also, it, it should stand a reason that you would want to sell things through us. So yes. please contact us. Uh, and uh, we will make sure they give our contact information at the
1: end of this episode. Geeks are standing by. hey geek nation this is Ed and Damien hey, hey what you got there uh, I got a copy of uh, the stolen uh, by my good friend Bishop O'Connell
0: he is a Norwegian wedding cake
1: creator no he is not oh he is a he, uh, an urban fantasy writer a member of the science fiction writers of America oh wow so yeah. that's that looks like it says one of three uh, yes well it's uh, the first volume of an American fairy tale the other two volumes are uh, the forgotten and the returned
0: nice what's yeah. uh the, It's a fairy tale. Does that mean there's a lot of Celtic and Irish folklore in there? A very great deal, yes. Uh, The first novel
1: actually involves the characters traveling to nÓg. No kidding. Yeah. Wow, I remember that from Titanic. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Good day,
0: sir. (laughs) And with that, back to the show.
1: Yeah, Oof. that was us being salesperson-y. Yeah, you know it's, it's is, something I hate, but I'm good. Yeah, at Yeah, you know it. Well, I yeah, I, I don't know how good I am at it, but I you know it. What's important is that you need to actually believe in what it is that you're that you're selling. And uh, you know, in this case, of course, we we do easy to do. So yeah. it's easy, it makes it easier to do.
0: But we're not above selling what we don't believe in. So
1: not not you know, too far above. it, yeah, no, yeah, no. Not not so far above it that we won't lower ourselves to make a living.
0: Exactly. There exactly. we go. So I'm um, looking at you, Coke Brothers. There you go. So it may well be that screwball movies uh, deserve their reviews fully. Could be. But anything even touching on screwball met with rejection. Now, good movies do tend to get good reviews. Bad movies tend to get bad reviews. Not always. But well, very sometimes
1: often. there's there's a particular critic can have an animus against right. a particular director or a particular. Set of stars, or, or aesthetic, or, or an aesthetic, yeah. or Lord yeah. knows what. But you know, if you if you look at an aggregate kind of thing, which is you know the whole reason that you know uh, uh, nowadays we have websites like Rotten Tomatoes, which right. are designed or to Metacritic or Metacritic, yeah. to, which which are designed to let you know you know to to help take those those kind yeah. of edge cases out of your calculation when you're trying to decide is this a good movie, is this a bad movie,
0: yeah. Yeah. So uh, You know, and, and uh, God, what a time to be alive. I mean, it used to be that you would pick a critic that you agreed with and just listen to him or her. Yeah. Or you'd pick a critic that you didn't agree with and just listen to him and or her. And listen to him
1: and be like, okay, yeah. so Gene Siskel hated this. I'm going to like it. Right. Right. And that was usually like if oh, That Gene, was what it was for you? For, for me, you know, if, if, if Ebert liked it, I was probably going to like it. If Siskel thought it was empty-headed plebeian trash, I was probably <laughs> really going to groove on it because to yeah. me, Gene Siskel was an elitist jerk. Like yeah. Like, you know, he, he, I know, I know their, their dynamic, the two of them, his, his criticism of Roger Ebert mm-hmm. was that Roger Ebert was the Pillsbury Dough critic. You, you pushed his button and he giggled <laughs> was, was what Siskel had to say about Ebert. And, and you know, I just thought Siskel was kind of humorless and, and, like, you know, it has to be high art or it... Well,
0: if you look at who they you know. both drank with... <clears throat> yeah. Siskel drank with artists and yeah. avant-garde theater people. Okay. Uh, Ebert went to the seediest shitty bars in <laughs> Chicago and would stumble out of them blind drunk at 5 a.m. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Well... <laughs> All right. Well, I know who. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I know my crowd. All yeah. right. There we go. <laughs> so, <laughs>
0: huh? All now, right. most of the reviews of screwball comedies from yeah. forty-two onward, yeah. tended to focus on the boring ass nature of the films, or their loquacity, or their lack of the clarity. Too much,
1: too much talking. Yep. Plot doesn't make any sense. Yep. Uh, tried too hard. Didn't all, succeed. Tried too hard. That, yeah. yeah. It's all. It's yeah. all frivolous nonsense. It's empty headed. Yep. Yeah,
0: okay. So this would tell me then that the uh, feelings were, that they were expressing uh, was showing that the quality of these films was dropping. It would also seem that the ears it fell on less than a decade earlier were now tired of the sound. Okay. Uh, the actors had also been moving into other genres, though, too. Jimmy Stewart, Fred McMurray, Henry Fonda, Gary Cooper, all had made a splash in Screwball, were now deeply involved in war and other genres. Uh it's kind of like Tom Hanks he used mm. to do zany comedy. Yeah. He doesn't now. Now he just does movies where he pees and things. <coughs> name
1: yeah, no, yeah. name one where he's I, not yeah, peeing no, no, on I, screen. No, I can't. Yeah. Polar Express.
0: Got gotcha. it. Yeah.
1: There we go. But that is that might, really him? That might be the <laughs> <laughs> It's
0: a cartoon. That's an avatar. Uh,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it might not count, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, and and if it does count, that might be the only one. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. I guess you could say Toy Story, but, I mean, his name is Woody. Huh.
1: So. All right. uh, (laughs) That was a segue. Yeah. Uh,
0: So, and at at the time uh, that they're all getting these war movies, movies are largely a studio-driven thing, not an actor-driven commodity, right? Okay, yeah. So this was a larger decision than just actors choosing what project they were going to do. They well, weren't taking their talents as where they wanted talents well, where they no, wanted because to
1: go. the studio was saying, "Okay, look, we're going to put you in this film. Right. We've decided your look, your persona, your whatever makes you the everyman." Exactly. The everyman so, hero in the case of Jimmy Stewart, right. you know, in the case of, you know, Clark Gable, you're the romantic lead. Mhm. Cary uh, Grant, you're the romantic lead. Uh, Van Johnson, you're the, you know, action hero. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. So, you know, it's, it's.
1: Ken Eastwood, you're funny looking. Burt Reynolds, you need to lose weight. (laughs) Sorry.
0: That's later.
1: That's later. Yeah. That's, That's a while after this. But yeah.
0: So also people weren't focused on laughing at male frustration, like I said. Yeah. You got cowboys and soldiers who are heroes and that's what matters, right? Yeah. There were comedies, but romantic comedies where the women frustrated the men were gone. Yeah comedies uh where the class structure in the United States culture was being upended in a chaotic mess were were not well received. Huh. It was war, man. We don't have yeah, time. Yeah, no, we change. don't have time
1: for being all divisive with your divisionation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so one reason that men were uh that, that nobody wanted to laugh at men being frustrated is cuz they're at war, like you said earlier. Yeah. Uh, they resented people having such a lighthearted mood in their absence and the rest of the country seemed to have fallen in line with that way of thinking as shown by the article that I mentioned before. Yeah. yeah. Women were at home working in the factories and other places to keep the home front going and keep it going strong. They also, uh, didn't delight in seeing men frustrated romantically or otherwise. Yeah. Nobody did. And that adds to the overall anxiety of the nation because you don't have that release valve about the frustration good point seeing heroes and tough men was certainly more encouraging to the women and the home front in general this is why we're doing this but if you only ever have meetings where you're reaffirming your mission statement you're stressing your employees out yes so when men get back to the home front it was also because they'd been wounded or hurt somehow Mm. not able to continue not not because they'd finished their scheduled tour because they didn't have a scheduled tour it was for the duration
1: yeah
0: they also weren't interested in seeing frustration
1: no sexual because or they otherwise. were having to deal with a whole different level of frustration themselves mm-hmm. and trauma and well trauma yeah. and then you know we're talking about the silent generation yep and all of them having been survivors of the depression and yes. in the last episode you talked about you know the bootstrap mentality And for a lot of them, at least on a subconscious level, the idea that they had failed would be something they'd be struggling with. And so seeing anybody in a position to be flailing and getting frustrated by something going on would just exacerbate that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's not fun anymore, man. No.
0: So, yeah, I mean, you want to keep that fighting spirit alive? That's a good priority. Uh, Finding intrigue or levity and frustration is not. No. Uh, now, once the war is winding down, there's only a very few attempts at screwball comedy even made. Uh, these attempts are met with predictably bad results. The war had either turned people against screwball comedy or the genre had just run its course. I can't tell which, but I know that either way it was over.
1: little of column A, a little of yeah. column B. I'm going mostly with column A, though, because okay. you
0: have such an abrupt shift in the course of a year. Okay. I'd say column A far more. Don't get me wrong. Column B exists. Uh, Yeah, but all right. Yeah. Now, once the war ended, people are trying to get their lives back to normal. Yeah. Screwball comedy leaves a small void uh, that was unsatisfied by wars and Westerns, but many considered that void acceptable. It's like, okay, okay, we don't have that anymore. Variety ran an article that stated, quote, on January 8th of forty seven. It said, uh, we have been through a long, grueling war, and the public is more
1: serious and less frivolous. Huh. So, here's a question. Go for it. You were talking about the genre of uh, uh, screwball comedy. When, how does this line up on a timeline with the death of the musical?
0: The musical's going to come back with Technicolor.
1: Mm-hmm. Because the visual spectacle... Uh-huh. Okay. And
0: that'll be in the 50s, early 50s. Okay. Right? And then,
1: but that'll then die out by the 70s? 70s. Okay.
0: Largely because all the stars that had done musicals were too old, too too convincingly old to convincingly do con- musicals. to continue doing also, it. Also, all the directors of that fanfare style stuff um, uh-huh. were pushing off, and you had the auteurs coming in. So remember, uh, the 70s okay. was, a, was a really artistically interesting time, but a yeah. shit time.
1: Yeah. Also grim, yeah, unpleasant. By this play, point, you yeah. also
0: have the third generation of people in charge of the studios with yeah, different okay. sensibilities. So different. there's a lot of uh, factors. Okay, a at lot play of stuff going on. Yeah. All right. Now this shows a reluctance to deal in comedy that deals with whimsical characters, obviously, and that means Screwball doesn't have a chance. Um, the only time that void comes back, where male frustration is centered, mm-hmm. is television.
1: Oh well, every sitcom dad like ever. Not ever.
0: Well but in the fifties it was not so.
1: That's true. That's true. Ozzie and Harriet, Mm -hmm. that didn't happen. Leave it to Beaver. Right. Daddy knows best. Ward Ward Cleaver never had to deal with any of that bullshit. Right. Wally did. Yeah. My father will point out how Wally did. Oh. My dad. <laughs> so my grandmother actually vacuumed in her pearls.
0: Oh, yeah. You told me about uh, yeah, that. okay.
1: Yeah. My, my, the joke that my father and my uncle have mm-hmm. <clears throat> is that they are, in fact, Wally and the Beef. Okay. That, that like, you can take an episode of uh-huh. Leave it to Beaver, uh-huh. put my uncle in the role of Beaver, my father in the role of Wally. Oh, wow. And you will probably capture a story from their childhood. Um, it's, it's worth noting that, uh, they didn't get along really at all Mm. until adulthood Mm -hmm. and... Yeah, they were, they were four years apart. My grandmother says that if, if their rooms had not been on opposite ends of, of their wing of the house, mm-hmm. they'd have killed each other before either one of them got, wow. to, got to being a teenager. Okay. Because at about the age where my uncle got to the point where he was an incessant tag-along, mm-hmm. my father was at the age where he didn't want his little brother around, like, at all. So it was that really unfortunate kind of generational... Well, not generational, but sibling, but sibling one, yeah. timing. Yeah. Like... Yeah. So, yeah. But... Yeah, yeah, Ward Ward Cleaver never had to deal with any of that. No. But then you get into the sixties mm-hmm. and you start seeing it.
0: You really start to see it in the 70s. Okay. Well,
1: yeah. yeah. Okay. But you're right. You're right. There are yeah, hints of it. I mean,
0: Wilbur in, uh, in what do you call it, in Mr. Mr. Ed? Mr. Ed. He was frustrated. Skipper was frustrated.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah.
0: You know, so you, you have father figures being frustrated. Now, that was uh, late 60s, I believe, Yeah. Well, it was yeah. black and white. Yeah, Sherwood Schwartz.
1: Yeah. But, but, you know, what that brings up to me is, mm-hmm. you know, you say father figures, and yes, Skipper is definitely a father figure. Mm-hmm. But he's also kind of an inept father figure. Yes, which is a trope. Well, that, yeah, he becomes a thing. Yep. So, how many father figures were on that, were there on that island? Because there was Skipper, there was the professor.
0: Not a father figure. No. 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 He's he's lantern-jawed
1: science hero.
0: Is that's the older brother? S-
1: okay. Oh, he was Wally. Yep. Okay. All right, that makes yeah. more sense now. Yeah. All right, cool. So, uh, this- and Mr. Hell was the wacky neighbor. Yes. Okay. Yes. Oh, my God. It all makes
0: sense. All right. So veterans... Yeah. ...in an attempt to build a life for themselves again, as well as a family, they settle in large numbers into the suburbs. Yes. Well, I take it back. White WASP veterans... Yes. ...did this. Settled,
1: left town.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. In fact, it was this settling that created the suburb, right? Yeah. And with the suburb comes televisions rise. Yes. Uh, Once televisions are affordable enough, shows become a source of family and neighborhood entertainment... And shows like I Love Lucy once again celebrate the frustration of the male anti-hero
1: with the zany, yes, ditzy, f- yes. smart but kind of lunatic. Yep, female figure. She okay. is chaos, yeah, incarnate.
0: Yeah. Now this time she's obvious. She's also not obviously smarter than he is.
1: Uh,
0: yeah, that ditzy button gets pushed hard. Yeah, that's true. So she's often somewhat short-sighted in her ambitions. Yeah. This is largely Lucy, but there's other yeah, female yeah, characters well, that do this.
1: Uh, oh, 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 damn it, Gracie! Um, great, well, yeah, but okay. And the wife on show shows, yeah, but yeah. Gracie mm-hmm. is an earlier generation. True, say goodnight, Gracie. True. Goodnight, Gracie. That's that's late vaudeville.
0: It is. It absolutely is. So
1: I mean, that's that that shows up on mm-hmm. television, but that's that's been a through line. Yeah. For them as as a couple and as an act that's true. Since since an earlier era, so that's that's a weird kind of edge case. Yeah. Um, oh oh damn it! I'm forgetting. It was it was a sitcom mm-hmm. that was centered on the female lead. And oh god, it was on Nick at Night when I was you know in in junior high school. And the episode that I can remember of it, it's mm-hmm. it it's carried the actress's name as the the so and so show, and I can't remember her name right now. Oh, and Mary about, Tyler Moore? No, no, earlier, earlier. Oh, but anyway, uh, one of the episodes, it was it was the introduction. It was when credit cards were a brand new thing. Oh wow! And, huh. and the whole and the whole plot of the episode was she wanted a credit card, right? And her husband wouldn't let her have a credit card,
0: and that was they a plot point,
1: and they because they didn't need one, right? And so somehow there was a monkey, there was a chimp involved. I'm saying monkey, but it's actually a chimp. Okay. And somebody's pet chimp, and she signed up for a credit card in the chimp's name. And and the wacky hijinks was that you know they put they put the name into the into the computer, mm-hmm. which was you know the size of oh, you yeah. know, a refrigerator or bigger, and had Yo. all the big flashing lights on it because it was the late '50s. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, you know, it came back. Oh, yeah, no, it's no, no negative credit report, no, no history on that. Yes, we'll give you, yeah, we'll totally give, give him, her, mm. it, whatever the card. And then, you know, wacky hijinks and gets herself yeah. into trouble. And then her husband has to come in and pat her on the head and rescue her, right? You know, and, and so again, male frustration. Yep. And but yeah. the male fixes it, but 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 he and is but he is the Apollonian the Apollonian figure who is ultimately successful in fixing everything. Yes. So order is restored exactly at the end, and so she learns point. a yep. valuable lesson mm-hmm. and goes back to you know
0: forgetting it next week.
1: And well, one, yeah, and and you know at the end of the episode she's you know back making muffins or whatever in the kitchen exactly. You know, uh, gender gender roles gender roles are reestablished. Yep. No matter whether she'd been in a factory during the war mm-hmm. or not, mm-hmm. just throwing that out there. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. Talking about those guys coming back from the front and, you know, oh, there was, wanting to
0: rebuild their lives. There there were, um, and they had every right to actually want a job back.
1: Well, yeah. They did.
0: No, I, I'm not, I'm, yeah. We just, you did. Yeah, it's not pie. You mm. could have actually expanded the economy.
1: could have figured out a way to do uh, it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, good housekeeping ran uh, recipes all the time. And in the 1940s, there were 10-minute recipes. Yeah. In the 1950s, there were hours and hours long. Oh, yeah. So just a wait well, to because, you keep know, her in the Lucy, kitchen.
1: Lucy Homemaker mm-hmm. is home now. Right. Yeah. So uh, <clears throat> Again.
0: Lucy, Back. for instance, yeah. uh, would uh, often spend an inordinate amount of time getting out of her own trouble that she created, or ultimately needing his help to rescue her. Yeah, uh, from,
1: this, this is a man.
0: uh Oh, that's right. Yeah,
1: or the or my mother's favorite. My mother's a huge the with Lucy the Little Ball fan. Yeah, the, yep. the, the the conveyor belt with the chocolates. Yep. yep. My mother just talking about that episode. My oh, mother yeah. will disintegrate. Like oh, something. yeah.
0: Yeah. It's it's Lucy was fantastic.
1: Oh, she she, she was a brilliant performer. Yeah. But
0: most of her antics are born out of boredom. <coughs> so it's female wow. frustration leading to Yes. But then it leads Holy to frustrating him, and then he's he fixes Lucy. It, right. He
1: got some explaining
0: to do. Right. Which yeah. I don't think that actually ever was said on the show.
1: Really?
0: I don't remember. It is either that one I or think, hey Lucy, I think, I'm home. One uh, of those two was never said.
1: Okay, I think at some point he does say, "You got some splaining to do," but Lucy, you got some splaining to do, might not be that. That might be where the it's like Luke, I am your father. Luke, I am your father. No, I am your father. Yeah, yeah. So, Uh, uh, wow, these shows—the angle about female Uh boredom—had not. And Uh again, I want to say the Doris Day, but I know it's not Doris Day. I can't remember who Patty. No. You know what? I'm after I get home. Patty after Duke? Uh, maybe.
0: Yeah.
1: I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to look right. it up. But anyway. Sure. Um. Again, it's it's that that like yeah. the whole thing with a credit card. Yep. She's bored. Right. Well, it's Lucy a, it's a toy. and Ethel
0: didn't have jobs. No. Nothing noticeable.
1: Well, they they did have jobs for an episode at a time. Right.
0: To cure their for, boredom, for
1: hijinks, to cure their right. boredom, or you know, w- right. within the plot of the of the episode, it was well, you know, I want to buy a new dress for this event. And well, you we gotta, gotta, gotta go work gotta for it. Gotta go work for yep. it. Da da da. But yeah, it was yeah. it was essentially I'm stuck in the house. I'm yep. cooped up. I'm bored out of my mind.
0: Yeah. Well, and a woman at work was taboo. Yeah. And not wanting to accept the place in society for her is is what causes that frustration for him.
1: And and is. Viewed as Dionysian Mm -hmm. because she's not, she's Uh, out of her place. Right now, this
0: everyone could laugh at. Okay, and it was innocuous enough in presentation that it didn't threaten the social order because, like you said, it keeps coming back. Yeah. So yes, it is screwball comedy, but not. Yeah. Well, it it doesn't have the payoff that screwball. It has. It uses the same mechanic, but it doesn't have the payoff.
1: Yeah, well, it doesn't have the same level of unresolved sexual tension. Right. You know, yeah. because <laughs> Lucy and Ricky slept in separate beds. Exactly. We, it's canonical. We know this yes. to be fact, Yep. at least on TV. Yeah,
0: well, and some of that, I think, uh, partly well, Hayes code, code But stuff. also, it's just easier to block a scene. When you've got a middle shot camera. That's true. There's, there's, there's there's
1: mechanical reasons for it. Yeah.
0: But But still. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Which explains why the first couple to have the same bed was a cartoon couple. Flintstones.
1: You're, you're right. Mm -hmm. Now, huh?
0: Yeah. Huh? So. All right. During the great depression, screwball plays a very significant role of levity. It allows people to enjoy themselves for very little money, Let someone else bear the burden of your frustrations for a few hours at a time. It's a pressure valve. Yes. Leave your worries at the ticket counter. They'll be there when you pick them up. You can empathize with the poor sap who couldn't find his brontosaurus bone. Yeah. That's the plot of bringing a baby, basically. (laughs) Um, Had the Depression continued without military conflict, screwball comedy might have enjoyed a much longer run than eight years. Yeah. But it didn't. World War II's global effects... Uh, And global conflicts drew almost everyone in on one level or another. People's interests shifted away from laughing at some poor fool, and it became important to support the men who went to war in mind and spirit as well as their body. Okay, It was not enough to collect scrap or work in the war industry. People had to do their part for the war effort as much as possible. Psychically. Yes. Movies that took away from this focus quickly fall out of vogue, and movies that display the elements of the American fighting spirit From war movies to romances to adventure movies, those are acceptable to watch. Okay. Frivolity is unacceptable when so many of America's men are fighting in Europe and Asia. The nation was serious. Screwball comedy is a casualty of these sentiments. Okay? Yeah. It produced frivolity when the nation was inwardly anxious during the Depression. Cool. Screwball comedy allows an escape into a fantasy world. That's cool. Acceptable during the Depression. But there's not anyone dying because of a lack of national cohesion of unity or purpose at that point. Okay. They're dying from other reasons. But during World War II, screwball comedies find very little purchase with the people. Uh, It's still trying to get them to escape into a fantasy world. And the people weren't interested in escaping into a fantasy world because their minds are already overseas. We don't have time for fantasies.
1: Yeah, we don't have time for that. Too much other stuff going on.
0: They perceived that the unity of purpose in thought, word, and deed was what their sons, their brothers, their husbands, their boyfriends, their cousins, their dads, everyone needed. The men of
1: military age in their lives. Yeah, yeah.
0: That's what they needed to return home safely. So in some ways, the unity of purpose lets them feel the same relief that they felt that screwball comedy did during the Depression. Because in the Depression, you're on your own. You should bootstrap yourself. During the war... We're all in this together. Okay. Communism. No.
1: <laughs> collectivism.
0: Yeah. You can say collectivism. Collectivism. Screwball comedy had ceased to serve the unifying role of giving people something to laugh at because the person they had been laughing at was a wholesome, if somewhat dull-witted, American male. During the war, most of your wholesome American men are risking their lives and laughing at someone who could be dying at that same moment.
1: Kind of makes you a dick. Yeah.
0: So they okay. needed to cheer him on instead. Okay. As screwballs leaving, war movies and westerns were leaping onto the scene. Like I said, they offered skilled and tough, smart American heroes.
1: The competent man.
0: Yes. These heroes assuaged American anxiety. Uh, by the way, that same competent man would grow up to be the incompetent father in the 70s. Yes. Because his teenagers just don't make any sense. And he fought in the war. Yeah. And why don't they? That's why Carol don't, O'Con- Why
1: don't they get it? What you're speaking, what language are you even talking? Right. The world has moved on. I don't get it anymore. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So it's he's, not-
1: he's become incompetent through no fault of his own.
0: There's a great line in Inherit the Wind. Perhaps it is you who have moved by standing still. Nice. I liked it. So it's not a frustrated egghead fighting in the Ardennes or in mm-hmm. Okinawa. It's a rough-and-tumble American who can handle himself. And this gives America comfort because Screwball Comedy's previous role was filled, and it didn't fill the other one. So this unity of purpose okay. took care of the need to assuage the anxiety, and it's not filling the need to uh, keep on going.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So it had to wait until television gives it a medium to move to. So it died on the big screen, <clears throat> but slightly transformed. And it ends very differently. Kind of watered down. Very watered down. Because it's not about sex. It's yeah. not about her sexual agency. And if it is about her sexual agency in any way, shape, or form, it's... it's
1: you it know. gets quashed by the end of the episode. Exactly. And everything's back to normal. She gets, she gets re-harnessed mm-hmm. into the domestic sphere. Exactly. Yeah. But it ekes out a living
0: on the small screen. So these elements of frustration yeah. are there. But... And yeah. it's elements of frustration that deal with dealing with the new or trying to keep order. But you ultimately have order at the end. Now, there have been several attempts in specific movies to use screwball concepts, but none of them have been attempts at reviving the genre. In 1972, Barbara Streisand used screwball antics in What's Up, Doc? Okay. Now, she wasn't trying to revive the genre, so it was much more just an attempt to try to redo Bringing Up Baby. Okay. 20 years later, 1992, Goldie Hawn frustrates Steve Martin to no end in House Sitter. Yeah. Bordering on psychotic. (laughs) Yeah. Her character readjusts his life for him. Um, She's not just a manic pixie dream girl. She's a psycho. She's a psychotic
1: pixie dream girl. Yeah.
0: Um, But in the end, all is well. Yeah. He sings to Rululura, his father in front of his boss. and. Everyone thinks it's great and, and he and Han Live screwily ever after Yeah And I mean that in both terms Because in the 90s You could fuck
1: Yeah you could Yeah
0: um, Do that And Martin's frustration Is painfully evident And quite frankly I think that's like His genre Is being The frustrated man Yeah Like if you look at everything That he didn't write
1: <laughs>
0: Yeah he's, he's typecast
1: Uh, Yeah Um, Paren- LA story Parenthood Yeah
0: Planes, trains, and automobiles.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: great! Anything with Queen Latifah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well. Any, anytime he winds up playing the part of a of a straight man. Yep. Uh, a central part of his role as the straight man is a frustrated straight.
0: man. Yes. Well, that's what straight men are for. Wait, wait,
1: he, often. Often. Not, yeah. yeah. Not, not necessarily all. You're right. You're but, right. Yeah. Uh, but he. He. Yeah. I, I think. I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I, I can I can see that argument um, I keep coming back to the wonderful way in la story mm-hmm. that he's he's you know in love with the age-appropriate mm-hmm. woman but because she's with somebody else he's dating
0: Sarah Jessica Parker. Sarah
1: Jessica Parker who is not age-appropriate 21 21 or something and and the way he interacts with her is this wonderful, consistently baffled... Yep. Like, okay, I'm rolling with it. But yes. Like, huh? Yeah. You know. Well,
0: and he does that throughout the entire... I mean, the whole point of LA's Story yeah, is, is he does is, it. He's, is, just he's just buying bat- into everything. Yeah,
1: like everything. But, yeah.
0: But... <laughs> I'll have a half calf double decaffeinated <laughs> with, with a the twist. 11.
1: Oh, add a twist. Add a twist. Yeah. yeah, everybody at the table. Yeah. Oh. And one of my father's favorite movies, oh. by the way. Wow. Um... But, go ahead.
0: I was going to say, a House Sitter... Yeah. ...was panned. Oh, yes. The viewer is typically just more uncomfortable than anything else through yeah. the whole thing. Uh, most reviewers thought that Frank Oz did a horrible job directing the film. Okay. Called it a would-be screwball comedy, and more grating than amusing.
1: Here's the thing. Yeah. There's a lot of what That goes was John on. Carpenter. Different type, different yeah. genre. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of cringe mm-hmm. involved mm-hmm. And that's a whole subgenre in and of itself. Yeah, of of we're going to put somebody through really uncomfortable stuff.
0: I think that's Ben Stiller. I think he he is the best exemplar of that. Yeah, I don't think that it's about cringing with Steve Martin. Okay, I think it bled into cringing.
1: Well, well, that's but that's kind of that's kind of yeah. what I'm saying. I mean I mean yeah. the way the way those situations in that movie wound up
0: mm-hmm.
1: wound up turning out. Yeah. It wound up being that which is part of the reason it it didn't work is right. because that's not Martin's thing. Right. And and frankly I don't like Ben Stiller movies primarily Nor, because they are so intensely focused on watch this guy grimace his way through this yeah you know and yeah. it's like I don't want to watch that. That's yeah, no. painful. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's I feel sadistic. Like you want yeah. me to be laughing at, at his discomfiture and that makes me feel bad. That's a good point. You know, and and I think when you're when 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 the intent of the plot is mm-hmm. to be screwball mm-hmm. and the delivery winds up going into cringe comedy. Yeah. You're automatically going to suck because you're yep. you're you're missing the point. You're whiffing. You're yeah. swinging you're swinging hard for the fences. Well, and let's you're, keep you're in mind You're working real hard trying yeah. and you're failing. Yeah. On a central 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 generic part of the, point. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, and I would point out, though, that it's the reviewers that are assuming that Oz was out to make a screwball comedy. He never said that he was. Now, he might have been. I mean, it it has all the elements. All the elements. Yeah. Um, But I would ask, would any director have been successful with any actors in any capacity in making a screwball work at that time? Society is so different in 92 than it was from 34 to 42 um, that it would be impossible to touch the same chords that resonated so well back then.
1: Well, especially mm-hmm. if a central part of your thesis is the idea that the idea of a woman's sexual agency is inherently Dionysian
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and chaotic and like you know this right. this is automatically going to be tripping this guy off because right. you know she she knows what she wants and she's going after it and right and that's, that's like crazy talk yeah that we'd had the sexual revolution. Like, like I, we hadn't had, there had been, yes, you know, the, the generation who came up after screwball comedy had died, had, had, had the sexual revolution at which point that Mm -hmm. aspect of the formula for screwball was kind of pointless.
0: Yeah. I mean, most of the people alive in 92 Mm -hmm. weren't working adults starting in 34. No. You know, the, those few who were working in 34 and still alive in 92 were not the same concerns. No. By 92. Movies change with the times. <sighs> yeah. So today's screwball comedy wouldn't be as well received using people's concerns as
1: a barometer. And I just figured out, I think, yep. and I'm going to posit that the difference between screwball comedy uh-huh. or the heroine mm-hmm. in a screwball comedy mm-hmm. and a manic pixie dream girl. Yes. Is that the cultural context in which they are operating? Is one in which the first heroine mm-hmm. is coming from a patriarchal, patriarchal set of circumstances, yes, in which the very fact that she knows what she wants and she's going after it is a source of comedy, yes, whereas a manic absurdity. pixie absurdity, yeah. whereas a manic pixie dream girl. That's that's an essential part of the character, but that's not part of what makes her a figure of chaos.
0: Yeah, it's um she's got a lot more latitude. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree. I would agree. I also point out that uh the screwball comedies that worked better came a little later. Mm-hmm. And it there's also a sexual well, there's a sexual dynamic, absolutely, but there's also a racial dynamic. Steve Martin.
1: Ah, uh, good point. So. There is, there's, there's some, some level of transgressive something mm-hmm. going on. Okay. Yeah.
0: So. All right, uh, screwball hmm. was a genre that died because of World War II. Yeah. I mean, that's, it's. There's,
1: yeah. You've, you've pretty much yeah. put the nail in the coffin of, mm-hmm. of now that. Now, the question that, is. That argument, I think, is, is, you've yeah. settled that pretty clearly.
0: Now, my question is, should we expect it to come back? I mean, Westerns had to come back in the mid-90s. Dances with Wolves, Tombstone, White Earp, Bad Girls, Unforgiven, Shanghai Noon even. Yeah. They were not the same Westerns as the Westerns of the 60s and 50s and 40s. No, the themes
1: themes were remarkably different. Many of them were uh, deconstructions Mm -hmm. or trope inversions.
0: Some were just nominally Westerns. They didn't have a Western feel to them. Like The Quick and the Dead didn't feel like a Western. But if it had come about... 30 years earlier.
1: Yeah.
0: It, absolutely. I mean, it's a tournament style shoot 'em up Fuck yeah. yeah it's yeah. Getty well, Western. Well, you
1: know what? It, it actually, actually it, it feels more like a martial arts film. Yeah, it does. It feels, feels like a kung fu movie with right. with
0: six so, guns. Nominally a
1: Western. Yeah, nominally a Western.
0: Um, <clears throat> and the plots move along a different path. Yeah, like I said, yeah. The characters develop to different depths. And the same thing is true with screwball movies of the early 2000s.
1: I, I think my own my own gut feeling on this
0: mm-hmm.
1: is I think in order for the genre to to come back in a meaningful way mm-hmm. we would have to see we'd have to see the genre somehow significantly adapt mm-hmm. or we would have to see some kind of very significant shift in our own perceptions of gender roles. I would agree. I think, I think the central again, because Mm -hmm. we're talking about the, the very idea of the, the absurdity of, of the, the chaos character in a screwball comedy being tied to gender in the way that it is. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in order for that to become meaningful again mm-hmm. either some part of that formula has to change and and it's going to be a significant evolution mutation of, of yeah. the base critter or our attitudes about those things are going to have to shift back in a fundamental way. Yeah, and I don't see that and, happening. and I, I don't I don't think that that particular genie has escaped the bottle. Yes and our attitudes about gender roles can certainly change dramatically mm-hmm. but we're moving i mean right now even with the kind of retrograde leadership that we have politically you know trying to trying to do everything they can to jam every genie back into the bottle that they possibly can right we're still seeing in our culture at large not only more, uh, you know, p- more people paying attention to mm-hmm. women's concerns and and listening to what women have to say, but the very idea of gender as being this is what a man is, this is what a woman is, this is what masculine means, this is what right. feminine means. I mean, you know, it's no, no longer a source of comedy. Well, yeah, it's no longer a source of comedy, and and anybody who tries to play at well, you know that's a woman thing, ha, ha, ha. Or, you right. know, that guy, he's such a guy about that is going to have a lot of people just arching their eyebrows. Like, that's kind of toxic masculinity,
0: dude. Yeah, well, and like, like that's, that's really not, uncreative and not that, funny That's now. really boring. Yeah.
1: And and then on top of that, there's, there's just the fact that the majority of people in society are mm-hmm. now becoming aware of the fact that gender roles are a construct.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean... The majority of people who are coming to understand that wouldn't phrase it that way because right. that's kind of, you know, pointy-headed woke talk. Right. But, um, you know, but, but the idea that, no, man, you can be a dude and dress how you want to dress. Mm-hmm. You can be a woman and be an auto mechanic or yep. an astronaut or whatever, and that's not, yeah. you know, And and the original genre is so bound up. It is. And this is the man and this is the woman. Yeah. That it almost sounds kind of paleolithic.
0: Well, and you know, the one place where that can still exist is mm. the one place that it got pushed to by World War II. World War II ends it on this big screen, but yeah. it, World War II also brought us the GI Bill and the growth of the, the suburbs and the growth of the nuclear family as the model and the growth yeah. of television. And it got pushed onto television in a major yeah. way. Now it morphed and and modified, but ultimately, like, look at even your your ensemble cast uh, sitcoms, Big Bang Theory.
1: Yeah. Oh. Um.
0: You know. Uh, wow. Friends. Yeah. Uh. You know, I keep picking on Friends. Um. Well, Fraser. because
1: you're doing your long term. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, the notes I've got on that. Um. <laughs> Frasier. Frasier. Uh. You know. Um. There's there's so much. You know, I, I, cheers was an inversion of it. I mean, and you see a lot of that, you see inversions of it, but you also see, um, you see
1: inversions of it, you see deconstructions of it. You see, I mean, the the, responses to it, the underlying trope is, is there's, there's a kernel of something there Mm -hmm. that speaks to people, you know, when when you, when you have the, the uptight, you know, cut the butter square, Mm -hmm. you know, engineer type and you have the, Dionysian mm-hmm. figure. I mean, that's that's a that's a universal pair of characters to bounce off of each. Yes, time. like Sesame Street, Bert yes. and Ernie. Yeah, absolutely. Are, you know, because because Ernie is like so uptight, that right? Perhaps diamonds. Yeah, and Bert is, as a matter of fact, an avatar of chaos. Yeah. It. Super might just, ahead, yeah, it, it just, it, it, it might be the case that yep. right now we're, we're showing, uh, uh, Sesame Street episodes to my son in the afternoon, nice. which might be why I'm coming up with that example. Well, that's a great I'm one. I'm not though. saying, I'm not saying that's why, but yeah. I'm saying it might be, it well, totally is. But, so,
0: so we have some sitcoms where you see the yeah. elements still there. Yeah. You change who's doing what. Yeah. Um, But these shows, in large part, have kind of given way to quote-unquote unscripted reality television, which we roll our eyes at, but that's what Candid Camera was. True. And game shows also made a brief comeback. Yeah. Wants to Be a Millionaire. Yeah. Hidden camera type shows, like I just said. Yeah. Screwball comedy might find that it doesn't fit anywhere in America's media despite everything else getting a second and third look and it only exists as a small thread in the tapestry of whatever's coming new. Yeah. It might have it might be one of the few art forms that will stay dead.
1: Yeah, well or yeah, stay yeah, stay stay off of off of the main stage. Yeah. I, I think that I think what what you say about a thread in the tapestry is is a good is a good analogy. I think the elements of that story. Mhm again because they can be inserted anywhere. Sure. That automatically makes for a great entertaining B plot. Yeah. When you bounce those characters yeah. off of each other, when you have any kind of a sitcom, yeah. Oh, the new girl. Haven't seen it. Oh, okay. Um it's it's it is as a matter of fact, it's 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 I I would argue mm-hmm. it just about manages to recapture Oh. Screwball. Okay, um, and I can't remember the actress's name, but um, she she is a manic pixie dream girl, mm-hmm. and the series is kind of a an analysis deconstruction of that trope, because because she shows up and she's this agent of chaos, and like oh my god, what's going on? And then you learn something about her, and you realize <gasps> no, she's this way because she's actually kind of broken in mm-hmm. some meaningful ways. And so there's more nuance to it. And right, they play with it and they do stuff with it. But no, she she is totally the. No, I'm the agent of chaos, and like all these other guys are these dorky nerds mm-hmm. who really need to get out and and break out of their shells. Nice. And it's yeah yeah. So yeah, I think I think you're right. Yeah.
0: Cool. well I think we just talked about what we've learned from this so Pretty much. Uh, if people want to get a hold of you on the Twitter and argue with you, where should they go
1: EH Blaylock ah. at twitter.com Where should they go if they want to tell you that you are completely wrong about everything you've just said over the course of the last two hours
0: Straight to hell okay um, but if they want to tell me how wonderful this was <laughs> okay uh, duh harmony there's two H's in there okay at on the
1: Twitter. Uh, and, and then to get a hold of both of us simultaneously, and to suggest topics, yeah, you know, because we we we're we're getting to a place where we got to think harder <laughs> about this. <laughs> so any any bit of help you can provide, if you have an idea uh, you want us to look into, uh, send us send it to us at Geek History Time mm-hmm. on Twitter, yeah. and we will uh, take a look at it. We'll be a little bit surprised anybody <clears throat> has messaged us. Uh, On Twitter, because, you know, we'll be pleasantly surprised. But, you know, (laughs) uh, send that to us there. And
0: Uh, the first uh, two people to do it, I I, I promise um, you will get into heaven.
1: Wait. What? No. All right. I'm (laughs) Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock, the Catholic (laughs) in the room. And until next time, keep rolling 20s. (laughs)